Hello, my name is Chris Bett and welcome to my podcast on the fourth official. On this episode, we look back on Rangers' victory over Celtic in the Scottish Cup semi-final. And joining me for this episode is, well, I've, I've brought the, the, the world of blogs together. First of all, from the Ramblin' Gels blog, is Eddie. Eddie, how you doing? Uh, thanks. Um, apologies in advance. My my voice is still a bit um, gone from the game yesterday. And um, I really don't think I deserve to be in the same breath as Stevie. Um, thank you for that. You just, just, uh, you just gave. Ah, us. sorry. Away, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, so <laughs> your, your, your hero, the, the guy you look up to most, the, the one you aspire to be, is is also joining us from the Four Lads blog. As uh, Stevie Clifford, Stevie, how you doing, mate? Gentlemen, good evening. Um, yeah, unsurprisingly, I'm very, very well. And I would just say on this note, Chris, um, pleasure to be on with you as well. His, his work that he does on the Rambling Gears blog is fantastic. So a uh, little bit embarrassed by. The high praise there. However, I'm really looking forward to talking about this. We deserve to revel in this a wee bit, lads. Yeah, absolutely. So just before we get into it, obviously, um, the we done a preview for this. Uh, Stevie, you wouldn't have heard this, so you won't be surprised to hear what I predicted. I predicted that Rangers probably would beat Braga, but I had absolutely no confidence in getting over the line against Celtic. And then the reality of the situation is we went to extra time against Braga, and then my confidence went lower than it actually already was, if that was if that was even possible. And I was quite downhearted, downbeat about it. And Rangers produced a week in which, and I've experienced a lot in my Rangers supporting career, probably not as much as Stevie and Eddie, or even indeed Andrew, but probably the best week of my Rangers supporting life. Now, have I just went totally overboard with that statement, guys, or would you say that it's there or thereabouts? Eddie, I'll come to you first, sorry. Uh, I think you're probably spot on there. Um, to, I, I didn't really think we would had any chance of making a semi-final of a European um, competition again after Manchester. I thought that was kind of our, our one shot in my lifetime and I wouldn't see it again. So... As you know, on Thursday, because obviously um, for the, the listeners, me and Chris sat together for the Braga game. Um, we were just absolutely over the moon and couldn't quite believe it at the time um, to think that we're going into the semi-final. But like yourself, a big, tough fixture there in extra time. And then having to go up against Celtic after the last two times we've played them, I probably wasn't as confident I'm now. I'm saying that. I'll caveat that if I did stick money on us to win. But um I wasn't that confident going into the game, so uh, to to come out of that game victorious, but not only that, go into extra time again and actually look the fitter of the two teams, despite having played an extra time midweek, was just unbelievable. Yeah. Stevie? I wouldn't say it was one of the biggest weeks that I've had, and I've had some amazing high support in this club, but what I would say is um, Braga comes close to being my favourite ever game at Ibrox. It's right up there with Parma, which is, um, I think that speaks volumes for the atmosphere and the performance. And I, I definitely didn't think that we were capable of producing that level of effort and level of determination and level of balls. Um, not so much on Thursday, but definitely yesterday. Uh, I wouldn't say, Chris, that what you said was completely unfair in terms of been one of the biggest weeks and it's it's the highs of the highs isn't it I mean Rangers can take you to the very top and, and quickly you know by a couple of days later have you at the very bottom that's the nature of where we are at this club and 
it's very up and down and that's why we keep coming back but with regards to it being one of the bigger I mean yeah I mean it depends on where you are and and you know I'm a wee bit older than you boys possibly um so what I what I don't want to get in the position of doing is is being like a result yesterday you know should be the highest the highest beating Celtic is what we should be doing this is Rangers football club so in terms of qualifying for European semi, I get that completely. But with regards to beating them, this should be in our DNA in terms of where we are and, and what we are doing. So I don't include that as being, you know, um, highs of the highs. This should be where our, where our football club is. However, without downplaying what you say, mate, I don't disagree with that at all in terms of it's been a wonderful week. Done really well against St Mirren. Um, came through Thursday night tremendously well. And then yesterday was a superhuman effort in terms of, of where they are. And and listen, as I said, and I've given them a lot of criticism recently, um, especially after the defeat three weeks ago. They deserve every single bit of praise and the bounce back to a level I'm not sure was possible. So I've got nothing but um, absolute praise for them in, t- in terms of that. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll go into detail why they deserve every bit of, uh, you know, praise and adulation in, in this show. Yeah, no, the both of you are spot on there. The one note of caution that I will um, say is nothing's won yet, and we, we do have to guard against that complacency. It's been a gigantic week in the history of, of Rangers Football Club, but the bottom line is, sorry, the bottom line is nothing has has been won yet. But wow, what a position this team has put themselves in to be. Um, Stevie, I'm really not taking a piss here, but legendary. Um, they, they really have got it all to play for now, and that that's credit to them. But you know, this podcast is just um, we're, we're here to discuss and dissect the victory over Celtic. So let's just get straight into it. Rangers lined up. Now I want to get both your opinions on this. It was four two three one. It was the exact same team against Braga, other than John McLaughlin in goal. So the team was McLaughlin, Tavernier, Goldson, Bassi, Barisic. Jack Lundstrom, Ramsey, Aribo, Kent and Ruff. Now, I'll be honest, before the team was announced, I was expecting two or three changes, um, purely because of the extra time effort that we had to put in. Um, I felt we needed some fresh legs there. I expected to see Kamara. I probably expected to see Balogun, because obviously Barisic cramped up a little against Braga. Um, do you know, the, the John McLaughlin call isn't all that controversial for me, because he's played every game of the Scottish Cup campaign, so... I didn't really feel that that was a talking point as much as it probably was, especially on Twitter. But to see the exact same team outfield players as the game against Braga, I was a little nervous about that, especially when it came to fatigueness. Stevie, how did you feel when you seen the lineup? When I saw the the lineup, Chris, I was a wee bit worried. Um, I said it on social media. I, um, I'm a wee bit battle scarred, I think, by what happened a couple of months ago at Parkhead. I thought there was a lot for Lundstrom and Jack to do. I was worried about Bassi and Barisic, particularly on the, the left-hand side of the defence. I was worried maybe Joe Aribo wouldn't put in a big shift. And I said it at the time, I said it's going to be one of those ones where, you know, if we come through this, then it's a, a you know a great decision by Gio. If not, then people are going to question them because we've slightly went and done similar things to what we what we had kind of caused us issues before, defensively especially. But... What I underestimated is, and I'm completely guilty of this, just how capable those players in those positions were, and and that's where you know we, we I spoke a wee bit about the the kind of praise they deserve, and they absolutely do. I mean, Lundstrom and Jack, absolutely incredible. Lundstrom, a monster. And yeah. we'll come on to this, so I don't want to over egg it at the moment. But my initial my initial um, 
kind of thoughts on the formation was. I was slightly concerned, definitely a bit worried. Um, and, and a bit, I didn't think Thursday night was a big issue because we've had this conversation before, Chris, and I've said to you, like, I think this team are better when it goes game, 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 game. They're, they're much more in their groove than when we have weeks off and stuff. I think we stutter. But um, initial impressions, Chris, yeah, definitely I was a wee, bit, a wee bit worried and I don't even mind admitting it. Eddie? Yeah, um, Borna was probably the only one that gave me any real fear just because... I think I was still a bit battle scarred from that that game at Parkhead where he just seemed to shrink in, into himself and I was concerned about how he was going to react in the atmosphere if Celtic got at us from the goal would he start to hide and and withdraw into himself or would he stand up and become the Borna that he has on occasion um, I'm glad to say I think he proved me wrong I thought he had a good game the McLaughlin inclusion I don't think was as as you said, I don't think it was as um, unexpected as as perhaps it came across on Twitter. Like you say, he's played every other game in, in the Cup. And just the day before Man City had started their other keeper, Stefan, and my friend who I was walking to the game with, we were talking about that and said it shouldn't have been that much of a surprise because he'd started all the other Cup games. But when it came out, it kind of gave the initial shock to the, the casual fan and then our team lineup came out and I said, oh, McLaughlin's starting. And my friend didn't believe me, I had to show him the screen. And uh, I said, it's it's basically the same situation, though. He started every cup game. And, and for me, I actually was quite happy to see McLaughlin start. Now, I've said numerous times on the pod, McGregor, for me, is now our best ever keeper, in my opinion. But unfortunately, this season, there's been a bit of shakiness at times. And I felt that McLaughlin deserves a chance especially if he's been in every round of the cup game so to see him start I think was only fair and I don't think he did anything to let us down I don't think he had any and we'll come on to the the game itself but I don't think he had any massive moments per se other than the goal which obviously we'll discuss and wasn't his fault but I thought he had a solid game commanded his area well and just gave the defence a bit of uh, um, belief in themselves because they knew that he was there if they needed him yeah I think um Stevie's eyes just twitched at your comment about McGregor being the best ever, but this isn't the pot to debate. That. It's, uh... <laughs> I, I know he's a big Andy Gorham fan, and, and I am as well, but I, I, like I said before, I think just for how long McGregor's done it for us, um, uh, uh, based on last season as well, he's kind of just pipped Gorham now. Although I do still think Gorham at one point was the best keeper in the world. As I said, there's probably a pod some other time for that, but let's just get straight into the game. Rangers pretty much set the tone straight away. We launched them chasing everything. And at this at this point in the first five, ten minutes, he's not getting through everything, but he's he's there for every second ball. He's he's getting tight to to Celtic players. Um the Bassey had this most unusual tactic which absolutely worked, which I actually want to discuss um in quite detail uh, later on in the pod where his job was to effectively assault not assault, but harass Tom Roderick every time he got the ball. And that meant he had to step out of defence into midfield to do so. Worried when I first seen it, but as the game went on I thought to myself, Wow, this is this is a master stroke by Gio. Um, but the first real talking point of the game, Lundstrom, uh, sorry, Lundstrom tackles Rio Hitati. Now, it's full-blooded and Hitati just does not know what's happened. The ball breaks to Aaron Ramsey, who plays in Ryan Kent. I have to say the ball from Ramsey wasn't the best. A wee bit over hit. 
Kent had a wee bit to do. He skies it over the bar, probably because Callum McGregor got touched tight to him. Now, Stevie, I've seen on social media you've questioned this, whether this should have been a penalty or not. Um, at the time, I have to say, I didn't think it would. Uh, it was, but now when when you brought that to my attention and I've seen it back, but I'd, two things, the referee missed it and Ryan Kent didn't even appeal. And to me, it was a penalty because he takes his legs away. I, I, I don't understand how, well, I do understand how this has went under the radar because Celtic beat and it's all the referee's fault and all the decisions went in Rangers' favour. But um, if he doesn't take his legs away, I mean, he's got a chance to lift that ball over, over hard or even try and take the ball around him. Well, from a referee's point of view, Chris, what I would say to you is if that fouls anywhere else in the pitch, what are you giving? Yeah, exactly. No, I totally agree with you. It's, so, uh, I, 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 I would agree with you. Like, at the time, it was fairly... Un- I think the reason Kent didn't um, appeal for it is because he was crumpled in two. So, yeah. you know, he, he took a real sore one. As the ball gets released, Callum McGregor is in the air, studs showing. So, he's out of control. Uh, the question is, it's not a red card offence, so I'm not asking for that. It's not denying a clear goal scoring opportunity, but he has fouled him in the process of trying to make a block where he's he's had to make a last-ditch lunge. If he doesn't lunge like that, if he doesn't attempt to put Ryan Kent off as such and um, he skids by him or whatever, then absolutely fine. But the, the contact there is made. And I've listened over the last 24 hours um, with regards to refereeing and, and things like that. And I normally, it, it, it's, you know, you're normally fickle as a fan because you come away having won and, and decided that, you know, it's fine because we've won. John Deaton yesterday, he, he didn't have the worst sorry, game. Sorry, Stephen, Bobby Madden. Bobby, what am I talking about? Bobby Madden. It's just because he usually has beaten. <laughs> um Bobby Madden didn't have the, um, the the worst game in the world, I didn't think, but we, I was surprised at how lenient he was. From our point of view, you know, John Lundstrom should have been in cautioned way before. I didn't get the, the rhetoric of, of asking for Joe Rebo to be sent off and things like that. No. I thought he handled it well. I think if you're going down the route of, you know, John Lundstrom going off, you need to look at Callum McGregor and stuff like that. But that incident there, I... I Intrigued to think that had it been slightly further into the game, I think they're looking at that. Um, and I, I definitely think, you know, if, we, if we're talking about the standard of the refereeing yesterday, then that um, decision yesterday should quite rightly be questioned in terms of Rangers do have a, a, a legitimate claim for a penalty kick. Yeah. Eddie, um, not 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 a word on the, the chance itself or even the overhit ball by Ramsey. I know you probably think being a Welshman it was a world class ball by Ramsey, but just just As a, I said the perfect pass from Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. uh, just a word on the the, the tone setter by Lundstrom when he went right through Hitati fairly, um, and Hitati just did not know what had what had happened. Oh, it was magnificent. It's exactly what we've been calling out for. It was, and I'm, I'm don't get me wrong, I'm not saying. I'm not comparing him to to this person or saying he's anywhere near that kind of a, a status for us now, but it was an Ian Ferguson type. Let's get into them and let's show them who who's going to own this game. It was that level of physicality that we've perhaps missed at times. I know um, Arfield had a bit of it a couple of years ago, but but it's something we need to be a bit more regular with. I mean, um, I've seen the Celtic fans complaining all over social media about the physicality. But th- this is a team whose hero is Scott Brown, who basically has just made a career of kicking people for the last 10 years. So 
I, I don't see well in fact I do see why they're complaining because they don't like it when they get a piece of their own um, medicine and for me I think Lundstrom just perfectly set the tone let them know we weren't there to be walked all over and we were going to give them a fight that that we needed to the first 20 minutes both teams will try to settle into the game I feel I, I, I don't think the game had a, a rhythm to it I don't think we could call it in the first 20 minutes who was the better team or who was going to settle better or who was actually going to go and win it because it was a little bit kind of uh, stuffy um, Bobby Madden as Stevie said done his best to keep the game flowing he was I thought I agree with Stevie he was lenient I think he was lenient to both teams but I think the the leniency narrative towards Rangers is more evident because we were more aggressive I don't think there's anything wrong with being aggressive um, Celtic broke with a chance a bad on the right crosses the ball in Yota um, headed it over probably had an opportunity in time and space to bring it down and take a shot but he opted to go for the header it goes over the bar so at this point probably 15-20 minutes into the game it's itchy peachy how are you feeling Eddie? Um, I mean, I'd, I think I'm pretty nervous in every old firm, to be honest, until we are a couple of goals ahead. Even then, there's still that kind of, we just need to see this out. Um, I think there's very few games where I've, I've been able to relax completely in an old firm. Um, I, I did think it was very even to start off with, so it wasn't as bad as it, as it could have been and I think the atmosphere at the Rangers end was absolutely bouncing and that helps calm the nerves a bit you could see their end wasn't making much noise but our end was we were all just like there for the day and for the occasion and the the crowd were just really getting into it so uh, as far as an old firm game goes I was I was nervous but at that point I wasn't overly nervous Stevie, um, the ball breaks um, just outside the, the Celtic box to Kamal Roof. He twists and turns, what space for a shot, takes a shot, hits it wide. Now, at the time, the, the Premier Sport, being Premier Sport, their, their camera angles aren't the best. You feel it's just a speculative shot that's just went wide of the, the goal, but it's actually a lot closer than, than, than probably the angle gave it credit for. And that's what Roof gives you, that, something out of nothing. I thought Kamar Roof was excellent yesterday. Um, mm. He didn't have much to deal with in terms of in front of goal. Um, but in terms of work rate, in terms of actually facing up to Carter Vickers, who I actually I actually rate, he's, he's quite quite a solid big guy in terms of, of defensively, but he, he never allowed himself to be overawed by that. So he was always there to battle him. I actually thought, Chris, as soon as he hit that, I thought it was in. It's yeah. mightily close. Yes. Um, and, and I think that you know, watching it back, um, it, it shows you just just how close it is. Um, but at first impressions, mate, I, I generally thought that was in. And at that point, I was really happy with our start. Um, I thought we were pressing well. Um, I thought we were not allowing them to come on to us. I expected them to come right at us, and we never once allowed them to settle. I never once allowed them to get right into it. So at that point in the game. And the more it went on, as we'll come to, I was really pleased with how we were doing and, and what we were trying to to do. We were trying to force ourselves onto them instead of allowing them to come onto us, which a lot of teams, you know, can't stand up to it. But, but at, at this point, really happy so far. Eddie, one thing that I like to see is Rangers teams learning from mistakes um, from previous games against the same opposition. And in the first half, Callum McGregor had the ball and he was driving at the Rangers team and he got by two or three players. And then out of nowhere, 
Joe Rebo clearly shows that a lesson has been learned and he swipes him out and takes a fantastic tactical foul. A professional foul, if you will. Takes a yellow card for the team and Celtic's, uh, Celtic's attack is, is, is faulted right there and then. Now, I know some people, I don't know what you guys think, but I'll give you my opinion, but I know some people don't really like to see that because it puts a yellow card on a player and, and then for the rest of the game, they're walking the kind of proverbial tightrope. But for me, loved it. Absolutely loved it. That set the tone. That was saying to Celtic, you're getting nothing. You, you, you might beat us here, but we'll just take you down. And yeah, it's 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 dark arts, but you know, when was the last time we, we applied these sort of dark arts to games like this? It was always, as Eddie said, you know, Scott Brown doing it. And then from that moment when Aribo done that, I cheered it like a goal. Yeah, I love a tactical foul. Um, we were actually talking. Sorry, Eddie, sorry. considering the week, uh, the week a bit before where Callum McGregor drove into the Rangers box and created a goal for Rogic. Yeah, that's it exactly. And by taking that tactical foul, he's he's let McGregor know that actually, do you know what? We're not going to let you do that again. We're not going to let you dictate to us where the ball's going at all times. We're going to be the ones dictating what happens and when you have the ball and when you don't. Um, we were actually in the in the crowd discussing about how we should have had a tactical foul just before that. I think it was Barisic, to be honest. Um, I can't quite remember. So then when Aribo did it, we were all like, there we go, see, that's exactly what should have happened a few minutes ago. And everyone around us was in agreement that that was the right move to make. It sets the tone again um, and lets them know we're not going to be bullied. We're not going to let you do what you want to do. It's going to be our game. We'll play it how we want to play it. And we're, if you if they're looking dangerous, take a tackle foul if it's in a non-dangerous position. Like you say, McGregor previously had driven at the, the defence and nobody had stepped up to stop him. So this time it was like, no, we're not letting you do that again. You any problem with that, Stephen? No, I loved it. Um, no. I, I'm not keen on... No, that's fine, no. Stephen. Just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not keen on the players getting cautioned because obviously they're... they're, they're um, walking a tightrope, but I sometimes feel that in recent times we've been too soft. The one with Callum McGregor a couple of weeks ago is one that I highlighted today as well. It's a perfect example of of having to take a foul, and we didn't. Let's not pretend that they don't do that, because they did. Callum McGregor got booked for trying to do the same thing. A couple of weeks ago, Jota stopped Bassey um, right in the first kind of five, six minutes after we'd scored from doing it as well. So it's it's dark arts absolutely man city liverpool are, are kings are doing this kind of thing because it just stops your opposition and no no problem with it at all in fact i would encourage it more and i'd like to think chris that um giovanni's pointed that out in the last couple of weeks and and that's been tactically discussed in terms of where we went into it yesterday and for that i would like to give the manager um credit and i know we don't know if it's been discussed but i'd like to think it is yeah, absolutely. Let's get into some John Lundstrom love. He uh, goes in for a 50-50, maybe even a 60-40 in favour of Callum McGregor. Um, and he wins it and just absolutely cements him, puts him flying on his arse. And then a couple of minutes later, the ball comes out to him. He works a bit of space, curls the ball and hits the post. A little bit unlucky not to get the rebound. He slips. Um, there was actually some good defender from Carter Vickers in there as well to prevent Ramsey getting the, the rebound. Um, at this point, Rangers are now asserting their dominance. Uh, Stevie, at this point, what's your what's your thoughts on Lundstrom? At this point, right now, as in 
at, at this point in the game, uh, the tackle on McGregor and then working himself in for that shot to hit the post. All right, well, because my, my point, at, at my feelings at this point are maybe X-rated, but my feelings at that point in the game... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my feelings at that point in the game was just that he's he's just becoming Mr. Dependable in terms of like sometimes you know when a player comes they take a while John Lundstrom's taken that while but the more the games have went on Dortmund away um, you know Braga etc etc the more you can really depend the more you can count on him and at this point during the game, when he's flattening them, it, it's not a surprise. You're you're now at the point of that's Lunny, that's that's Lunny winning everything. And against Braga, there was one where they broke away down the left, and he went over and covered it. And then there was one in the second period extra time where he actually burst his gut and went all the way down the left himself, you know, attacking the Copeland. And he's just John Lundstrom's a, a very he's very neutral. Like he doesn't get out of first gear. He doesn't go higher, he doesn't get overexcited, he doesn't get low, he's not that type of player, he's just Mr. Dependable, but he's taken his performances from, from really low to to now being the focal point of our team. Doesn't go unnoticed the amount of what Ryan Jack does that helps him, because Lunny can now do the left and Jack does the right. So when I said, Chris, we go back to what I said before, when I said I was worried about how much they had to do, I shouldn't have been worried because John Lundstrom it's just magnificent. So at that point in the tackle, the great thing about the tackle is that it's just a forceful tackle. He wins the ball and he actually plays it back off him and sends him, you know, over a cartwheel and and whatever. And this is a this is just how I like to see my midfielders: hard, fair, and just a, a complete brick wall. And he was that. So at that point, I'm loving it, and there's there's more to come from. Eddie, it's the it's the old cliche, isn't it? Taking the game by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, and and the the gif of that tackle was absolutely magnificent. I've must must have watched that about twenty times on the train down the road. Um, I, I'm loving seeing how well Lundstrom's now fitting into the the jersey. He's been absolutely magnificent the last couple of months, and right from the start, I've been on board the Lunny train, um, saying that he would end up a good player you know yourself in the chat when it's sometimes been questioned I've said he'll end up a fantastic player for us and everyone else thought he'd be gone in January um so to see him now really really stepping up and putting in the just absolutely top class performances for us is brilliant um I'm really just enjoying watching him each week now I'm a, a, a major negative for Rangers just before half time and a major negative for you Eddie is Aaron Ramsey pulled up um, looks to be a hamstring injury. Now, I said to you last night, Eddie, I'll be very surprised if we see Aaron Ramsey in a Rangers shirt again. Um, if it is his hamstring, considering the fact that, you know, will he want to risk it when he's got a big game for Wales coming up in the summer? And and also, you know, we don't know what the agreement is with Juventus. If he has got niggles, have we, have we told Juventus, look, we won't risk him? We, we, we don't know these kind of ins and outs, but with, with a hamstring injury, you're talking three to five weeks to fully recover and, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously there only is really five weeks left of the season. Um, you're a little bit more optimistic than me though, Eddie. Yeah, I think he'll be back in time for Leipzig. Um, just from kind of watching him walk around after the game, I wasn't overly concerned. I, I think it's, for lack of a better way of putting it, Ramsey's suffered his injuries 
over the course of his career and I think he knows his body and I think he's the kind of player who now if he gets something that he knows could potentially become worse if he tries to play through it he won't and he'll signal that actually you know what I've hurt myself I could try and struggle through but I'm not going to make the whole game and I'm just going to make this a whole lot worse so let's just call it there Um, that's possibly me just being overly optimistic because Actually, I need him fit for the the game in uh, the, the Wales game in June, so I could do without him being injured heading into that game. So it's potentially a bit of that, but I, I think he'll be back in time for at least the second leg of Leipzig. Stevie, were you surprised to see that Scott Wright came on for Aaron Ramsey in the 43rd minute? Because the obvious substitution there um, would have been either Kamara or Sakala. No, because. I thought that we were playing the press, so um, it wasn't so much that I was surprised that, that Scott Wright came on. See, if Fashion Sakala came on, I think you're right to say him, I wouldn't have been surprised. But the way we were playing, I knew kind of in my head that it was going to be one or the other that, that came on. Um, Scott Wright's kind of came into it the last um, couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if we're asking for opinions on, on Scott Wright in this, Chris, or, or not, of, of where he is. Uh, well, I'll give you mine first. I think uh, in, in this particular game, we got maximum, absolute maximum effort with very little output. And I think now I can say that that's my mind made up on Scott Wright. I think that's what you get. I think that he gets into some wonderful positions. I think he's good on the ball. I think he drives at teams well. And I think that's what we're looking for. I think there's zero product there. And that's the big issue from him. And I'm a big fan of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him. I, I think he's capable of, of kicking on. But I've been saying that now for a year. So it's really up to, to Scott Wright in terms of, of where his Rangers career goes. But I thought he was effective yesterday, even if the end product was ineffective. Half-time whistle goes. You probably say Rangers had the, the better of the first half. But end of the day, it's still getting level. Um, probably the concern from the fans in the stadium and watching at home would have been, right, that's another 45 minutes into the legs. Tiredness is going to keep in soon. You've seen it on social media. Celtic fans' tweet actually went viral because uh, he tweeted at halftime that keep passing the ball, they'll get tired chasing us. Um, and, you know, as much as it's good to mock in hindsight, the theory there, you know, is really worrying because I, I fully expected us to just drop off. Second half starts, and again, Rangers are on the front foot. Kent manages to manufacture a chance by cutting in, taking a shot, hitting it wide. It's all really Rangers, and then Celtic get a free kick on the 63rd minute. Now, it's about a contentious decision. I don't think it was a free kick, but, you know, these things these things happen. I'm not going to go on too much about it, although I should because, obviously, of the narrative post-match from the Celtic fans in regards to the referee. But Celtic are very clever at this point. They take a very quick free kick. Scott Wright is actually facing John McLaughlin to get the position of the wall. That's how quick they took it. Callum McGregor plays the ball into Greg Taylor, who I have to say was probably the worst player on the park at this point. I felt that he just couldn't handle Scott Wright's running. Um, Unlucky for us, as Stevie said, the product, the output, the end ball isn't there from Wright, but the actual running at him, I felt Greg Taylor really struggled. 
Taylor takes a, a pretty average shot and he gets a lucky deflection off Calvin Bassey, which takes the ball out of the path of John McLaughlin and it ends in the back of the net. It's 1-0 Celtic after 64 minutes. Um, hurt a little that it had to be him to score, but these things happen. Um, at this point, you know, I'll get both your opinions on the actual goal and I'll get your opinion on, on, on what I felt. And, you know, I'm man enough to say it. I tweeted it. I, I just felt that was it. I, I, I just did not see a way back for us when I consider fatigueness, I consider who's actually in the park in terms of that moment. Yeah, we had Ken, but Ken looked tired. Um, Aribo was playing with the shackles on a little bit because he's yellow card. Roof, all endeavoured, but he, he was struggling to find the space to, to create chances. I just did not see how we were going to get back into the game, so I'd pretty much resign myself to defeat. So, Eddie, first on the goal, and where were you in terms of the out, the, the outcome of the match? Can I just point out, you've totally missed on the 52nd minute. Selig broke forward, and the ball was played to Maeda, who was about the roof. I was going three to yards offside. Oh, oh sorry. I, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and he chested it down to Hitati, who t- takes a shot that just goes wide. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously Madden totally wanted us to win, and and just that was just sheer coincidence that one but um as far as the goal goes it was never a free kick uh, it was a ridiculously soft decision well i'm saying it was never a free kick in my opinion i'm not a referee or anything but from where i was sitting in my opinion that was never a free kick um the actual free kick itself when mcgregor got the ball jack and barisic both ran at him and i felt like barisic should have actually peeled off and been the one that was marking taylor um, I've watched it back and my opinion doesn't change on that I think when the shot's taken um, McLaughlin's going to save it and unfortunately it nicks off of Bassey and just changes direction slightly and McLaughlin can't reach it anymore and then they're 1-0 up and my initial thought is are you joking me for everything that we've just been through in this game we should have been winning and now we're what it looks like going to lose and uh that was just my initial thought. A couple of minutes later, I did think we were going to win again. I thought we'd come back, take it to extra time. I think I showed you my bet where I, I put her on that we'd end up winning in extra time. Um, but when it initially went in, my heart just sank and I thought, I can't believe after the what I felt was a fairly dominant performance, we've ended up managing to chuck her away due to a deflected goal from a free kick that never should have been. Steven? Yeah, um, I just thought at that moment there was no justice because we, I thought we had, I was really proud of the performance, proud of the effort. Um, I was quite enthusiastic about how we were doing, switched off for one second. Um, I don't think it was a free kick. I do think that Kamar Roof fouled um, Carter Vickers about 20 yards before he got the actual free kick. There was a slight, um, if you look at it from the angle of the, the Celtic end angle, he kind of puts his leg across him. But for where he got the free kick and why he got the free kick was definitely not a foul. So I'm in agreement there with Eddie. But if they're getting a foul and if we're reasonably looking at it, it was 20, 25 yards previous. That aside, we switch off. Scott Wright should never turn his back. He then doesn't react. He's almost floating along. Ryan Jack stands still. Barisic is too tight in. It's the first time. And then you look at it and we're just, you know, it's a really weak shot. We're really unlucky. Bassey doesn't close him down, which perhaps he should have. There's a whole little bit of ifs and buts throughout it all where we possibly could have done better. Maybe could have done other things. 
it's just a fortunate moment for them. And at that point, Chris, yeah, I thought to myself, it's just going to be one of those days because we've been here at Hamden before, the the whole Hamden hoodoo, the League Cup final, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, at that point, you're thinking, you're, you're struggling a wee bit with it. Yeah. Celtic actually get a wee bit of confidence from this goal. They're on the break again. Maeda's running at the defence and Kamal Roof tracks back all the way into his own half and absolutely wipes out Maeda to stop um, another Celtic attack, another tactical foul. Stevie, I'll come to you just quickly for this. There's been some discussion. I have to. My, my own opinion was, oh, this could this that could easily have been a red. Was there any op- Was there any chance that was going to be a red card, or was the right decision made? No, it was completely the right decision. It can't be a red card. It wasn't. It wasn't out of control. Oh, a wee bit, just just ever so slightly. No, it wasn't out of control. It wasn't endangering an opponent. It wasn't an attempt to to injure or anything. It was a tactical foul. It, it's not in an advanced goal scoring position. Had it have been twenty yards further on, Chris in the middle, you know, facing the goal, then possibly, but. He's, he's at the halfway line. It's not a dangerous tackle in terms of how he's done it. Um, he clips his heels. Or there's, his studs aren't up. There's, there's nothing there. It's listen. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a nightmare for. See if it's your team. You're so frustrated and everything else. But he's, he's taken one for the team. It's a proverbial taking one for the team. And he's, he's actually done it in a way that, that by the laws of the game, it, it can't be argued with. Although. If it was Rangers and if we had been breaking away, we'd be absolutely furious, but it can't be anything other than a caution. i tell you what it was. It was fucking brilliant. Um, so Celtic actually... No, no so, argument there. It was absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, Celtic got a corner. Um, the ball breaks to Cameron Carter-Vickers. Um, it's probably easier for him to score. He hits the bar. And for me, this is a turning point in the whole game because if that goes in, it, it certainly has curtains. Um was your heart in your mouth, Eddie? Yeah, <laughs> it was pounding through my chest. I was absolutely relieved. I don't think I've had relief quite like it to see it hit the bar and, and um, has managed to clear it. I, I think, well, I'm not quite sure how he missed it, to be honest, even watching the replays. A little unfortunate for him because I think he had a pretty decent game overall, Carter Vickers. He's not a player that I overly dislike of theirs and um, they've got plenty of players I do dislike but he seems to be a fairly decent player and, and all right guy um, but he certainly went up in my estimation as a person by missing that chance I'll tell you. As much as the Carter Vickers chance changed the game for Celtic the the next phase of play or the next the next um, thing that happened in the game certainly changed the game for Rangers. A, dub, a double substitution was made Ryan Jack was taken off for Stephen Davis in the 75th minute, along with Joe Rebo for Scott Arfield. Now, there was a lot of dissent amongst the Rangers fans, especially on social media, to see Arfield. Now, considering that Arfield, um, let's just call it what it was, he had an absolute howler on his cameo against Braga. He missed two golden opportunities. Um, I mean, it's easy for me to say I wasn't worried, because I wasn't. People can say, but you've got the benefit of hindsight. I, I Anybody that knows me knows I'm a, a massive um, Scott Arfield fan. I actually felt it was the right change, especially Davis coming on, ball retention, keeping that ball, keeping things moving, ticking along. And you've got Arfield who's going to apply that press. 
did I for one minute think that Arfield was going to come on and change the game in a goal-scoring sense? No, I didn't, but I felt as if he was going to continue the pressing game that we, that we would applied in this. And then three minutes later, Connor goes him with an absolute peachy ball to Tav outright. Tav drives the ball in. Scott Wright has said that Kemal Roof took a terrible touch. I actually think that's an injustice to Kemal Roof because I felt as if the touch was meant and it was there to lay off to Arfield and Arfield sweeps the ball home three minutes after Kemal on a sub. It's one each. I've not expected this. Um, and I did Hamden absolutely erupts. Stevie, um, the correct subs, uh, a word on the ball from Goldson and uh, the finish from Arfield. Well, it's wonderful subs because they worked and they worked spectacularly. Whether we were at the time, whether as a fan base we thought they were right or not, I'm not sure. I'm like you, Chris. I'm a massive Scotty Arfield fan. And something funny, actually, when a couple of months ago when it was mentioned that he was, you know, Gio said he was getting his extension and stuff, I was delighted. And I said in social media, I was really happy because he's a guy that can pop up with a goal and he's capable of taking long range shots and stuff and etc and one guy said to me when's the last time he scored a long range shot and I was like uh, yeah well at Kilmarnock like two years ago and <laughs> right and ever since that right he, he's he's hardly hit a coup you know his, his cameo then on Thursday night and I'm thinking Jesus Christ like ever since I praised this guy he can't hit a, a barn door and then he, he comes up with you know a wonderful moment his fifth touch and it was a listen it's an absolutely brilliant goal I asked Gio Sorry, just to divert slightly, I asked Gio on Saturday morning in the press conference the importance of the fullbacks and in terms of is he now realising that with the personnel available, it suits this team to get the wing-backs higher and, you know, given that we had had so much of the ball in previous old firms, is this where he's looking for the, the final products, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Both goals came from our fullbacks. Mm-hmm. So that moment, the, the pass by Goldson, 60-yard pass right onto Chester Tav is unreal. But the actual control and quickness of Tav to bullet that across just hit an area. Same way as what Calvin Bassey did was spectacularly good. And sometimes you can float in the best crosses and everything and, and they're spectacular. But sometimes just rifling it across in an area works. And he, he picked the right time to do it. It was wonderful by Goldson. Brilliant by Tav. I actually thought, like you, it's a good touch because it sets him up to swivel on his left. Whether or not he would have got blocked, we don't know. But Arfield instinctive tucks it away and I'm thinking to myself finally, thank Christ he's, he's finally scored yeah. you know, a decent shot and everything else and I'll, I'll listen, I put this on social media last night, my living room erupted and I'm 38 year old running about saluting the telly, it meant the world to me, a wonderful moment Just on that Stevie, because it's a good point that, that I think a lot of fans have actually not realised this Tav's improvement at taking long balls down in his chest has been that this is his best season for that. Now, I know it's not really a metric that you can measure a player on, but I've noticed that it's becoming more and more part of the game, the game plan for Rangers. A long ball to Tav, you know he's going to be comfortable taking that ball down. And when he takes the ball down, he doesn't just take it down and there's, you know, it's still a difficult ball to hit. He kills the ball in order for him to either run again or get the ball in. And that just shows you the work this guy's putting in. Like, Tav is a machine. Yeah, listen, there's been a, a huge debate for months in social media about Tav with regards to where he stands and legendary status and everything else. My own opinion has always been that Hall of Fame and legendary status for Rangers is, is for the very best, the ones that have returned the, the highest of, of you know um, trophies and everything else. That still hasn't changed for me. 
However, in terms of numbers, in terms of stats, in terms of effort, in terms of balls, in terms of returning from things that you don't think players are capable of, and, and in terms of skill and what we're actually seeing, in terms of possibly being the best right-back that I've seen at Rangers in my lifetime as a 38-year-old, James Tavernier's got absolutely everything. And in these last two games, he's been he's been the leader, he's been the captain, he's been everything we've wanted. And although I'm not there with regard to Hall of Fame and, and you know, I'm not going to argue the point if people want that, that's absolutely fine. I don't, my standards or, or what I think is maybe different from others, I get that. Um, but in terms of James Tavernier, um, in terms of how good he is, I don't think I've ever been anything other than a, a Tavernier fan. He's, he's, he is, you know, really capable, but the overall point and all this rambling that I'm doing at this moment, Chris, is to say that these last two games, he's taken it up another metric that I'm not even sure I thought he had. He was he was monstrous yesterday, as much as anyone else. That moment, if people want to go back and watch it, look how quickly kills it with the chest, as Chris says, moves it and bullets it across almost in one motion. That's a skill. That is an unbelievable skill. Um, and, it, and it sets it up wonderfully. He, he deserves massive, massive praise for, for both his performances. And rightly so. Do you know what? I'm not going to argue with anyone that wants to say that he's the best fullback or, or he's, he's this, that, whatever. He deserves a massive amount of praise. And I've got a lot of time for people that can bounce back from setbacks. And he has. Not only has he bounced back, he's then taken it up levels. So, James Tavernier, hat off. Yeah. Eddie, the thoughts on the goal and Tav? There's not much more to say about the goal. He's, he's have said it all. It's uh, just a brilliantly worked goal from Goldson right until it ends up in the back of the net. Um, Tavernier, I, I agree as well. I just think he's phenomenal. I'm a huge Tav fan. Um, I'm actually roughly the same age as Stevie, so I don't fully remember Gary Stevens at Rangers all that well. I was just a young kid at the time. So for me, Tav's probably the best right back that's played for us um just on terms of production and what, what he's like what he's produced for the club um again i'm not going to get into the argument of should he be in the hall of fame or not just i'm just happy to enjoy watching him play for the club and the delight of seeing how much effort he puts into it the only kind of real negative i've had on tav over the last couple of years is whenever we seem to lose a big game he never came out and spoke to the media which I always thought would let him down and let him down in the, the conversations when people used to throw out Tav's never a Rangers captain. Not something I've ever bought into, by the way. I think it's a silly comment, but each to their own. Um, but I, I always felt that was a bit of a negative in in the um, Tav's not a captain column. However, I've noticed the last few weeks when we've had a couple of difficult losses, he has come out. So again, not only is he improving on the technical front still, I think he's improving on that leadership front and coming out and perhaps seeing that, you know what, I'm not showing the, my face when uh, we're the ones that are going down. I'm the captain. I'm the one that needs to come out and face the media and speak to the fans after these results that haven't quite gone our way. So for me, that's just increased my love for him over the last few weeks. Also on your uh, comment about the taking the long balls on his chest metric, Guarantee you, Dave Kerr starts a new metric on expected chests going forward. 
So after Rangers scored the goal in the 78th minute, Rangers are rampant, absolutely dominant. Celtic are dead on their feet. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Um, you would genuinely have thought that Celtic were the team that just played 120 minutes a couple of days prior to this game. Celtic, without any shadow of a doubt, settled for extra time. And that's what they got. The first half of extra time, there was a few changes. Or well, say a few changes, there was actually um, three Roof was taken off for Sakala, Lundstrom was taken off for Kamara, and Barisic was taken off for Balogun, which then shifted Calvin Bassey to left back. The first half of extra time, not a lot happened. There was only really one team pushing for it, but Rangers didn't really create many chances in that first half. Celtic did. Jota got the ball down on the left-hand side and put a ball right across the goal, um, and thankfully it went out of play. Um, that was a wee bit of a worrying moment. However, in the second half of extra time, Celtic, without any shadow of doubt again, had sailed for penalties. That's what they were going for. Um, they were no threat to us at all. But Rangers, unbelievably, uh, heroically, got a second wind. And I just, guys, I'll be honest, I couldn't believe what I was watching. You know, hopefully two of these are fans of uh, Rocky. You know, you remember Rocky fought Ivan Drago and Drago happened with everything and he was still going and Drago just thought what the fuck have I come up against here that's pretty much how I seen this it was Rangers were relentless and we in my opinion we were like fuck this this isn't going to penalties we're winning this and it was just I've never seen that mentality from this group of players and that's this is a four year team and this is the first time since this team got together that I've seen this mentality of, no, we're going to win this, we're going to fight for this, and we're going to take this to them. And if we don't get it, it's not going to be any through any lack of trying. And uh, the ball came into our field, he puts the ball across, Joe Hart saves it, the ball comes to James Tavernier, who just smashes it. Think about this, right? This is the second period of extra time, and James Tavernier is in the Celtic box to gather up a, a loose ball. Taft smashes it, Hart, I have to say, makes a fantastic save, puts the ball onto the post. The ball then breaks to Fashion Sakala, who tries an overhead kick. It's deflected off Cameron Carter-Vickers. It goes out for a corner. Celtic do not know what to do at this point. Um, if I'm going to be ultra nitpicky and critical, I felt that the technique of an overhead kick probably wasn't the right move. If Sakala stood his ground, there was a chance there to get a header into an empty net. So I can't quite understand why he went for the overhead kick, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. But at this point, Stevie, there is only going to be one winner. As I said, if we don't get it, it's not going to be through any lack of effort. Um, how are you feeling? Before we get there, I'm going to highlight a really small, very quick point. I know I've waffled on, so I'll keep it very short. John McLaughlin, 90th minute, comes and takes two crosses. One he catches, second one he punches. On that one where Jota flashes it across the face of the goal, was their first real effort in quite a while. He doesn't go mad at Tav. He approaches him, goes out and says, just get tighter. That's all he said, just get tighter. Stop him doing that. Sometimes you don't need to be rocketed or, or roll it to whatever else. It's that commanding, calming presence. I think that's really important to highlight because because he'd done that, Celtic weren't getting any traction out of anything, especially the crosses. So at that point, where we were in the game, I'm really comfortable that we're not going to concede again. I'm really proud of where we're going. And with regard to effort, it goes back to what we I said right at the very start, Chris, that I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure they had it in them. 
Um, and not only did they not only did they surpass my expectations, but they really made me proud. The way that Calvin Bassey, John Lundstrom, who did, yeah, albeit John had went off, but the, the effort that these guys, Ryan Jack, again, had, had went off, James Tavernier, Connor Goldson, so many. Ryan Kent, he's one. Mm-hmm. Didn't have his most productive day. Didn't by far. Didn't really create. Didn't, you know, it was missing a wee bit. Kept going, going, going. Defended really well. Kept going with, you, you know, kept running at them. And eventually, when he does run at them, he gets the overlap in it and it brings us that moment. But just nothing but it's pride. And 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 you know what? I'm a wee bit surprised. And I, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't I shouldn't have doubted them, but we haven't seen a performance domestically for six months, arguably. And I just wasn't sure as a group they had it to bounce back the way they have. But it speaks volumes for the character of certain individuals and for the manager that he's got them playing like that. I think that overall, even if we got beat yesterday, I think that Gio had earned a stay of execution in terms of people that were questioning him because if he can get the players doing what they'd done for him yesterday, then I, th- I think that's massive for a manager. I do. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of questions over the mentality of this squad the last kind of four years, and rightfully so. Um, but I think based on yesterday's performance, they deserve every bit of praise and plaudit coming their way for their mentality yesterday. Um, they absolutely overcame the odds being 1-0 down late into the game to really dig in deep, continue giving it their all, especially after such a big outing on Thursday, and then to eventually pull the, the win back. Um, I was actually concerned at this point that if it went to penalties, I, I didn't really see outside of Tav who we had left in the team that could take a penalty. Um, I was really kind of egging us on, obviously, to get the goal, but more than than I probably normally would, just because I was really concerned if it went to penalties. One question I've got actually is for you, Stevie. Just going back to the incident that Chris has raised there about Sakala with the overhead kick. When I watched it at the time, and then when I've watched the replay, it looks like Carter Vickers pulls Sakala down just before that. As a referee, is that am I just reading too much into that because I'm a fan, or was that an actual pulling down that could have been given as a penalty type moment? It would need another angle, I think. Um, I said that today. When we only see one angle, which is the in-play angle, looking at it, it depends because we know that Sakala's following the ball and kind of going that way. So although it looks like Carter Vickers has his arms round him, which it does look like. Is he just kind of holding him, stopping him, you know, falling into him? Is he pulling him? If he's pulling him and, and pushing him down, then yeah, absolutely. But there's there's zero appeal from Sakala. There's zero anything, which you can always tell by a player as well. So I would I would want to see another angle. It's definitely questionable. I said that today as well, that it's, it's another questionable shout, which again, we'd go to VAR and we would find out where we are with it. It's it's I don't think it's I think the one with Kent is clear. I I really do. I think that one is worth asking. I'm I'm reluctant to go out and definitely say that it is a penalty, however. On the hundred and thirteenth minute, Davis gets the ball in midfield and he plays it into Kent. Kent's running at the Celtic defence and Bassey's behind him. 
Bassi then accelerates in front of him to go in the overlap, and Kent plays him in. Bassi fires across, fires the ball across goal in the direction of Fashion Sakala. Initially, it looks like Sakala manages to get a touch, but upon a replay, it's evident that the ball comes off Carl Star, it's Carol Starfelt, and it's in the back of the net. At this point, I'll be honest, lads, I couldn't give a fuck who scored it. I couldn't care less. The ball's in the back of the net. The Rangers' end absolutely erupts. Calvin Bassey, not only has he just ran the full length of the field, he's then ran right into the Rangers fans, which is probably about half the length of a full field again. Um, and the place is, it's just mayhem. And we've done it. We have done it. I'll be honest, I just, I was lost for words. The, the, I don't even know if it's mentality or if it's just peak physical fitness, but to have a guy who's played 240 minutes, which is four hours of football over two days, going on the overlap, managing, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed this, by the way, he's managed to get away from James Forrest, who was probably one of the freshest players in the park. Forrest couldn't keep up with him. To do that, I was just like, wow, this is unbelievable. Said it before, I'll say it again. Celtic looked like the team who were dead on their feet. Balls in the back of the net. It's 2-1. There's five minutes to go. They, they, they're done. They, they ain't getting back in this game. We'll come to that in a wee minute. But how, how are you guys feeling? Are you as gobsmacked and almost as speechless as I was? Eddie, I'll come to you first. No, mate. Everybody was flying around cheering and I was stood there going, but... Bassi's hand was offside. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I was about three three rows in front of where I was actually meant to be standing for the game. I was just absolutely elated, hugging every single person around me. Um, I, I couldn't quite believe it yet. Was trying to soak it all in at the same time. It was just magnificent. And you're right, for Bassi to, to get ahead of Forrest in that kind of scenario just shows the determination and, and the will and how much that we wanted that result and we earned that result and deserved that result. Stephen? Just not only but obviously elated, you know, the, the living room erupted. Um, my brother-in-law was, was over. I've got a lot of time for him. Really like him and the big Rangers man and we were in each other's arms, as you normally are, just just like being in the ground. You know, you you, you live every moment. Um, my niece's wife, obviously, we, we were all you know all up. It was just it was a wonderful moment. But you know what? I felt a sense of relief in the middle of it, not because we went ahead, but because the players deserved it. And I was so, as I said, see, even at full time, I, I tweeted I was so proud of the team and so proud of their effort. The balls on them is incredible. Listen, Big Calvin is an absolute monster. I tell you, my missus adores him. And um, I think partly because of how he plays and partly because he's a big, huge guy. <laughs> and uh, she, she absolutely loves him for that reason. But you know what? Again, he's went to other levels that I didn't think he was ready for yet. I didn't think he was capable of. The way he powers down the left, it, it is funny, actually, the clip scene, like you, like you said, Chris James Forrest trying to catch him. Um, you know, Calvin is just a way. And again, it, it goes back to the old Tav thing. Don't float the cross in. You know, don't just hit an area. And I was actually, you know, 
I was actually slightly upset it wasn't Sakala because I would have loved him to have that moment. Um, he's such a an adorable, happy character that you, you love him, you know. Um, and I think that might have been the weak break that he possibly needed. But his movement for the goal, he hangs back outside the box and hits across, hit the front post, hit that movement across the goal to give somebody something to aim for. And it, it's actually a very clever and very good run. He's, he's a ball here away from, from touching it. Um, but it's just a wonderful moment. The funny thing is that from the camera angle, as soon as he hit that, you see it looping towards the net, and it's just you know you know in your heart at that moment that it's that it's happened, and it was just it was just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful moment. Um, I love any Rangers goal, especially you know ones against them, but that one was a was a special, special moment, and the players deserved it. That was the overriding thing for me. The players deserved everything that they got. The players held on and the full-time whistle went. Rangers are through to the Scottish Cup final. First time since 2016 where we went on to play. Hibs, still I said about that, the better. Um, there's a few talking points I want to bring up with you guys, um, especially about the end of the game, the game management. We'll come on to that in a minute. But the first one, Stevie, you kind of stole my thunder a wee bit uh, with John McLaughlin. Um, John McLaughlin at the ball, his feet better than Alan McGregor. I think he showed that in this match. There was one hairy moment with Maeda, but, you know, that happens when you play high-risk football. You mentioned it as well. It came for two or three balls. Um, probably more than that, actually. It, it caught two balls, but th- there was a few corners where he came out and punched it. If that's McGregor, that's not going to happen, and we, we just don't know what would have happened then. Um, now, I felt that he was fantastic. Now, there's, there's, there's a wee bit of a discussion point here that maybe he could be the number one next year, or maybe, in fact, he should keep the jersey. Now, we know that's not going to happen. We know McGregor's going to come back, so I don't think that's worth discussion. Um, however, John McLaughlin, Rangers number one for next season. Stevie, if I offered you that just now, are you taking it? 100%, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Eddie? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a lot of faith in John McLaughlin. Me and my friend who I travel up to the games have this discussion quite a lot. He's um, not a fan of McLaughlin potentially being number one. He, For whatever reason, and I keep pointing out to him, I, I can't see any reason why not. He never makes huge mistakes. He's always reliable. He's always solid. And again, on Sunday, he, I think he was... Uh, it was really good, like you guys have said, at just commanding his area, coming out for crosses for, for once in a game, in a, a, a high-risk game. I wasn't overly worried when it came to the other team having corners. Lately, when uh, we've conceded corners, I've had quite a bit of concern that it's going to end up as a goal, but knowing that McLaughlin will come out and take command of that ball, I, I was less worried. So I've got absolutely no concerns with McLaughlin being number one next season. I think also... Um, your thoughts on the tactic of Bassi uh, not giving Rogic a second? I love that tactic. Did, I, can I just ask you, did you notice it at the game live? I, I didn't. Um, I didn't notice it until I watched the highlights and seen a lot of the Celtic fans complaining about it, um, referring to it as UFC type tactics. Um, but and I think that's what makes it all the more impressive for me is that he did his job so efficiently that I never even batted an eyelid to say like, oh, hang on a minute. He's uh, he's all over him. It was just basic. He wasn't letting Rogic do much. 
Um, so I was just assuming Rogic was having a bad game. Um, and then when I've watched kind of the highlights and seen it, I've noticed it a lot more. And I think it's a great tactic. I've often when I coach my under sevens, now my under sevens team are not a not a fantastic team, but we've got some nice kids in there. Um, really enjoy their football. But sometimes I'll say to my son, if another team's got a particularly really good player, I'll just say, my son, right, you just go and mark him and don't let him get on the ball so much. Um, so it's a tactic I'm a big fan of. Stephen. Unbelievable ballsy move by Gio to have the the foresight to basically nullify and neuter their whole team the way he did uh, by that one move because they just didn't get going in that midfield at all. Callum McGregor ran out, ran about a lot. Hatati was was non-existent um, and, and he never got into the game because Bassi was there every time. Not only was Bassi there, he was really sensible with it, so he wasn't diving in. He wasn't. You know, he, he wasn't hacking. He, he was just pressurising, using his strength, using his physical presence. It was more apparent to me in the second half um, because I felt that he had to come um, further up the pitch. So we were noticing it a wee bit more in terms of what he was trying to do. Um, but it just, you know, to put the faith in Bassi to do that, for Bassi to also know when to come out and when to apply it, is, is just fantastic. So look, we can sit here and, and say it's a master stroke and it was a master class by Gio because it was and it worked. Um, so you, you have to credit him for it. Would I have thought it beforehand? Would would probably any of the, the, the kind of guys, you know, going to games and all that? Probably not. That's why Gio's there. Um, and it's little things like that that give you credit, give you confidence in the coaching team for me personally. Stevie, the moment you've been waiting for. Um, wax lyrical about John Lundstrom. Monster. Absolute monster. When I when he first came, um, Al Ashkert, you know, when he first started Malmo and stuff, Dundee United away, he was costing his goals. He, he looked slow, took him a while to get up to speed. The Scottish game's really fast. Um, I've, I've seen, you know, quite a few English games live and, and stuff like that, down there watching, etc. And, and there's a you know, there's a massive difference between time on the ball and, and the speed of the game, etc. It took Lenny a wee while, but he's, he's came in and uh, I know from speaking to, you know, previous management, etc., the plan was always to get him in with, with Jack and Kamara. It's not kind of worked under Gio, um, but in terms of Kamara, but Gio, you know, has, has paired him with Jack and you see the work they do. I think both of them together are incredible in terms of work, Jack covers the right, covers fullback. Lundstrom patrols the left, covers the left, but also drifts more, I think, into the central. He's got everything you want in terms of passing range. He's good shot. We don't have a lot of players that can take shots. Lunny can hit them, um, so and he, he hits them normally quite well, either footed, so we've got that from him. But he's just, like, I grew up in an era where we had Ian Ferguson, Stuart McCall and things in our midfield, guys that could tackle Lonnie can tackle. He knows how to win. He wants to be a winner. Um, and it's funny, um, a, a small plug, I spoke to Ollie McBurney at the start of the season and asked him what, you know, um, what Lonnie was like as a teammate and as a player, etc. And you go back and read that, and I highlighted it last night, just you go back and read that and everything that Ollie said about him is, is absolutely spot on. He's become the main man. And he's just, you know what, he gets it. I like players that get it. He gets it. And he's got that wee dirty streak in him, which you need in a, a proper hard 
centre midfielder. So listen, love him. He's he's going to be such a good player for us as well. Eddie, mm-hmm. I don't think there's much you can really add to that. So I'll ask you a, a, a different question about John Lundstrom. Your thoughts on him giving Calvin Bassey a row for saying sorry to a Celtic player? Love it. Love it. That's exactly the attitude you want to see. Um, it, it, we shouldn't, you know, at the end of the day, they're going up to that game. Their fans are saying that this is a this is war, and they hang out the flag of war, and they go to war under the the tricolour. And their players haven't given us the time of day for years. Their their club, their board don't give us the time of day. You know, they they take every opportunity to take any dig that they can. Players, management, board, fans, you name it. So to see someone who gets it and understands what we've been through and just knows how much it means to us going up and saying, no, he's down, leave him, get up, we've got a job to do, forget him, it is brilliant. That's exactly what I want to see, and I want to see that kind of attitude go through the whole squad and really get back to a position where, actually, do you know what, we, we hate them and the players hate them, and all we're out there to do is to inflict as much of a defeat on them as possible. Yeah. Game management, Stevie, during our last five minutes of extra time, I have to say that's probably the most comfortable I've seen Rangers see out a game. A little bit to do with Celtic's fatigueness and tiredness, but a massive amount to do with how we controlled that last... I'm saying last five minutes. It's effectively the last ten minutes because of the four minutes extra time. Don't know where that came from, by the way. But um, I have to say... It was just everything you want from a team trying to see out a game, other than Sakala went through and it, it, I think you've seen this, the, the headlines um, went for a shot, so I was a wee bit annoyed at that, but Ryan Kent in that last five, six, seven, eight minutes was just superb, keeping the ball, buying the fills. There was a point, uh, I think it was pretty much right at the end of the game, the ball came to Vickers, Carter Vickers, it, it hit off him a wee bit. If he ran out, he could have cleared it or even tackled Kent. He literally just gave up because he seen it was Kent. Kent takes a ball right out of the corner. Um, it then gets filled. Game's over. Thought game management was absolutely spot on. Yeah, it was because it worked. So <laughs> it's one of those ones where if if Sakala, you know, takes that shot and it gets blocked and they break away, we're all screaming kind of thing. But it worked. Like and all, all credit to them. Their levels and their attitude, their application. One where Scott Arfield takes it, buys the full, takes up another minute of their time, etc. The four, nearly five minutes that he played was was an absolute disgrace. Yep. Um. But that's that's you know that's Bobby, you know who was completely biased, etc. How you find four minutes, um, nearly five in a fifteen-minute half when you you can't find that in ninety is is baffling. But do you know what? All credit to the players. Let's not um, spoil it by by talking about the officials. You know, the last five minutes pitified the, the, their attitudes and everything else. The fan base was incredible. They were enjoying the moment. That the the Rangers end was literally rocking. It was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And you know, all credit to them. They they done a fabulous job of, of seeing out the game. My favourite bit was when Kent ran to the corner and Carter Vickers was hobbling, chasing him. Yeah. Um. That was, you know, and a couple of weeks ago when he was in Red Star, somebody burst their hamstring trying to keep up with Ryan Kent. Um. I don't like to see players injured. That's not my point. My point being that Ryan Kent is just a machine. He just keeps going and going and going and going and going. And I know that we don't always get a product. I know that, and it's not, you know, but my point is there's there's more than just 
you know, the, the beating players and tricks and laying on goals. It's when you get an application and effort, a desire that he's got, it's just wonderful. So, listen, superb. They deserve it. They deserved it. They deserve every bit of praise and adulation, Chris. They, they were wonderful. Yep. Listen, guys, I'm quite conscious about the time here. I've taken up a lot of your time. So one final point. I think this is an important point, and it's quite fitting that it's the last point. Your opinions in this would be uh, highly valued by myself and the listeners. Um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Now, this guy, is uh, he's been through quite a lot in his short spell at Rangers manager. Um, a lot of Rangers fans lost a lot of faith in him. I've always supported him, but I'll be honest, I, I did start to be like, this isn't going to work out. Um, podcast last week, I said I expect one victory over these two games. Probably will get Braga. I probably will get put out of the Scottish Cup. The absolute perfect week would have been two victories, but I just couldn't see that coming. The absolute worst week would have been two defeats. I don't think he would have recovered from that. The fact that he's came through this with two victories, two massive games, um, his first Old Firm victory um, as well. For me, and this is only my opinion, you guys may definitely just might agree, I don't know, but for me, that's enough to give him next season and the most important point is with funding. He has to get money to build his own team because I believe he can be a very, very good manager. Listen, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst looks every bit the class Rangers manager that a Rangers manager should look. He looks the part. But do you know what? This last week, he's actually shown he is a good Rangers manager in the making. And we have to support that and we have to get the board to support it. And uh, he, he's earned it for me. Um you know, a defeat against Hearts in the cup final, a defeat against uh, Leipzig in the semi-final and finishing second. There still might be questions raised, but even at that, I still think he deserves an opportunity at a full season. Eddie, I know you've kind of went back and forth on Gio a wee bit. Where are you at now with it? I think that's unfair, back and forth. I was massive... I'll explain, hang on. I was massive uh, advocate for... Gio before he came in, when he came in and I've defended him a lot I think where you're getting at with the back and forth is the last article I've done I, I kind of said, if he comes out of this stretch having lost both games, then I can't see how he would still charge going forward and I can't see how we could defend leaving him in charge but I, I, I've always supported him and always felt that he's been right um, the, the right appointment just sometimes I'll be honest, I felt that he's the right appointment with the wrong squad. Um, my my main fear was that he's a player who, rightly or wrongly, the thought process for me was that he kind of chucked it in his last season at Rangers. So whether he would be the person that's going to be able to put that attitude, the right mentality into a squad who notoriously chuck it after Christmas most years. Last year, obviously, being the out, outlier. And I think the last few weeks has kind of trended towards that direction. But what he's managed to get out of the players the last week's totally put me in my box there and, and shown that actually he, he can get the right attitude out of them. And if anything, probably a better attitude than we've seen out of them from even when Gerard was in charge. Um, I, I think he's definitely earned the right to still be there next season, but you're right. That has to come with the backing. He needs to be able to bring in his own players um, to play the way that he wants to play. Obviously, some of this squad will move on and they'll go with my thanks. They've done a good job last year. They've 
they've given us some good memories and excellent in Europe throughout the four years from where we came in. And sometimes squads do just reach their natural kind of end point and ours is probably reaching that now. Um, but Joe does need to be back to bring in the players that he wants. David? I think it buys him time, space, and it buys him a wee bit of trust, which I think we were all questioning, rightly. I think there's been some really good moments under Geo, especially in Europe. I think there's been some really good tactical moments under Geo, but um, there's been some big moments, unfortunately, for him that haven't worked out as well. Celtic Park being the biggest. I thought that was a major, major failing um, on his behalf, but I think he's learning. I see little glimpses of things that, that show me his learning, even as small as McGregor's advancing, which we spoke about, and then the tactical fills, etc. yesterday. So, listen, um, for me, I agree with you, Chris. Um, I th- I'd like to think that I've been both critical and positive of Gio since he's been here. I think I've been fair in terms of, of that, offering him that. I've not when people were calling him out to be sacked, I thought I said it was the wrong move at the wrong time. I did, however, say that if he didn't come through this period, that three or four defeats to them in a row, possibly going out the cup, Europe, etc., would be too much to turn around. So because he's he's avoided that, and and the way that he's done it, and the style that we've managed, and the way that the players are clearly playing for him, I think that all bodes well with regards to Gio. He's not a saviour. He's, he's not, you know, suddenly the best thing since sliced bread. That's not the point of this. But the point is that it definitely buys him a level of trust and a level of, of time and enough that we should be able to say as a fan base that, you know, allow him to get the right players in, allow him to make his decisions and, and he's earned enough of our trust to be able to do that. So, yeah, big, big week for Gio. Delighted for him. Uh, he's a really nice guy. Um He's he's been particularly nice to me, etc. So yeah, listen. Nice to you and your dog. <laughs> um, let's hope that he um, goes on to be the massive success that we all want him to do. Because I'm sure that Eddie, you know, yourself, everyone, you know, anytime that we're commenting, the only thing we want is Rangers to win. Absolutely. Thanks very much, guys. Um, it's it's been a momentous week for Rangers. Um, if this week's taught me anything. It really has to be that, do you know what? The league probably is over, but it's not over until it's mathematically over. So let's let's just see what happens. Um, this Rangers team have proven that they've got a mentality in there. We 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 didn't know quite the extent of the mentality, but they sh- they've shown over the last two games certainly that that it's it's a lot more than than we ever thought it was. So look, the league's not over. Yeah, we're in a cup final and we're in a European semi-final. It's a massive, massive end of the season and we just need to keep digging deep and finding that reserve that we found in that match against Celtic. And hopefully this could be a very, very memorable and historic season. It's it's something that I've kind of nailed my colours to the mast in terms of I believe and I don't care what anybody says, if we manage to win the Europa League, uh, this would eclipse 1967 for me. Um, so we're on the cusp of something very special and we're in a good place and let's just hope it continues. So, Eddie, thank you very much, mate. It's appreciated as always. No, thanks for having us on, Chris. Always enjoyable to be on and it's been really nice being with Stevie as well. I know 
you cracked that joke about him being my hero and everything, but um, in all seriousness, I've been a big fan of the blog for a number of years, Stevie, and I'd be lying if I didn't say part of reading your blog wasn't what made me think, actually, I'd quite enjoy to do that myself. So it's been really enjoyable having the chance to speak to you as well. So thanks, guys. And Stevie, thank you very much, mate. Um, I know you've, you've you you lead a busy life, um, so to devote an hour a half almost to myself is uh, much appreciated. Listen, it's a pleasure. Thank you any time. And Eddie, keep up the good work, mate. Anyone that wants to, you know, anyone that wants to write about Rangers and put a good word out there deserves all the help and support. So go and read the Rambling Jer blog. Check it out because it's well worthy of it and it's very good. And I appreciate. The comments i'm just <laughs> just a fan like everybody else enjoying this moment and i hope we all are because we deserve it and here's hoping that we get a massively memorable end to the season chris thanks for having us on buddy no worries at all and finally thanks to producer andrew patiently waiting in the background silent as always the 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 brains behind the operation almost Thanks, that Chris. Um, I think your praise is far too generous, but um, because you know, I, one, it's because Rangers have won twice in a week. Yeah, I'm, I'm I see. generous with my praise. In an uncharacteristically good mood. Yes, that's fair. Um, no, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the, the rest of you guys, and to be honest, this has been one hell of a good week to be a Rangers fan. So, um, yeah, uh, listen to you guys take, take it and talk it through uh, for the past hour and a half. It's a pleasure, you know. Subscribe to the fourth official if you haven't already. Thanks to the listeners. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed hosting it and listening to these guys, Eddie and, and Steve, uh, Stevie. It's, it's been just a, a fantastic week to be a Rangers fan. Long may it continue. As I said, many more to come, hopefully. Um, and uh, join us in the future for future episodes where we're talking about actual lifting silverware and more memorable nights in Europe, hopefully. <laughs>